everyone, welcome to mini episode 101 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have two spooky stories for you today. And the second story comes from the 30th of December 2020. And story number one comes from Amy. In September of 2015, at the age of 41, I was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. I needed to relocate temporarily to get treatment in a nearby state. My husband and daughter could not come with me because of work and school. I found an apartment that was near a treatment facility. This apartment complex catered to people who were receiving treatment. My treatment was to last for approximately nine weeks. Move-in day was much like the start of any good adventure. My spirits were high considering that my life had been turned upside down. I was thankful to be alive, having survived an intense eight-hour surgery in which my heart was stopped to remove a very large tumour from my chest wall. I was eager to get settled into my new home and finish the next steps in my treatment. The apartment building was located on the main street in Jacksonville, Florida. My apartment was on the third floor. The great room had a wall of windows that showcased the high-rise buildings of downtown. The view was lovely. The morning I arrived, I visited the landlord's office to get more information about the complex and its amenities. Soon it was time for me to go to the clinic for my first treatment, and I couldn't find my car keys. My mom, who came to help me settle in, and I searched frantically for them in the apartment. She went down to look around the parking lot, and I went back to the landlord's office. It turns out I'd left the keys in the picture window of the office. I grabbed them and I went back to the apartment to find my mom. When I entered the bedroom of the apartment, my bag that had been sitting on the bed was on the floor with the contents neatly spilled out, as if thoughtfully arranged. I quickly tried to reenact the falling and spilling, but the item stayed in the bag. I couldn't get anything to fall out of the bag. I have experienced a haunting before, so I'm generally on high alert when something weird happens. However, I had more pressing matters at hand and didn't think much of it. The following day was Friday, and I had an early treatment, and then my mom and I began to clean up so we could head back to South Carolina. While my mother took out the trash, I sat in the living room and flipped through some channels on the TV. I stopped on a show about haunted houses which piqued my interest. Then an unsettling thought crept into my mind. This place is haunted. I texted my husband and told him of my fear. I hoped that I was wrong. Knowing that I would be staying in the apartment primarily alone, I desperately hoped my hunch was wrong. The following week was spring break. My husband, who is a teacher, and my daughter came to stay with me for the week. The first day seemed very normal and I thought that I was being silly to think the place was haunted. We had a fun week planned and I was excited to spend time with my family. The three of us slept in the bedroom together. My husband and daughter fell asleep quickly after our busy day but I couldn't sleep. There was a clock radio on the bedside table and it was plugged in. Out of the blue, a whiny static sound like someone turning a dial to tune in a radio station followed by white noise came from the speakers. I quickly unplugged it and the noises stopped. The next morning, my daughter found a grey feather on the windowsill of the great room. It was actually a piece of a feather and it had a strange look to it. It actually looked like someone had been twisting it between their fingers. It looked creepy and I told her not to touch it. 
After some debate between my husband and me about what to do with it, we threw it away. Other things happened that week. I opened the laundry closet and something fell. I walked into the great room and a broom that had been propped against the table made a 180 degree sweep like a big windshield wiper and crashed to the floor. Despite the strange happenings, we enjoyed being together and going on little adventures to the zoo and art museums in the town. We went home that weekend, but I began to dread the thought of going back. The next week, it was just me for the first time. I could not shake the feeling that I was being watched all the time. I decided to ask the landlord if anyone had ever complained or reported any spiritual activity in the place. She said that she had not experienced anything strange, but that her former roommate had said that her dogs acted funny sometimes. I told her about the feather. She said that it could be from the feather duster that the cleaning staff used. I agreed that that was plausible, but asked if the cleaning staff came in every weekend. She said no, they only came in between tenants. As the weeks progressed, more things happened. After a shower, I went to my room to find ointment for my radiation burns. Back then, I carried a big black purse, and I had left it on the TV table when I returned to the apartment. I was in the bedroom when I heard a loud thump. After gathering my courage to go out and check, I found my purse on the floor. At this point, I was beginning to feel freaked out. While most of the apartments were rented, I rarely saw anyone. The apartment complex reminded me of a giant advent calendar with other tenants safely hidden behind closed doors. I went to a Bible study that they offered. It was conducted by a wonderful African-American preacher and his wife, who was also staying there and receiving treatment. All the people were very nice, but I never really saw them after that, and I felt very isolated. I began to wonder about the history of the place. At the time, the building was only six years old. It had been constructed in a place that used to be a vacant lot for many years. However, there was a historic fire called the Great Fire of 1901 that had occurred in the area. I wondered if a building had been there during that era. Also, it's possible that someone had died in the apartment, especially since it catered to cancer patients. The landlord's mother also passed away recently. She didn't actually live at the apartments, but I remember the landlord mentioning it. I decided to consult a friend who is from New Orleans. She is very versed in the paranormal and the occult. I basically wanted advice as to what to do. She told me to open the window and tell the spirit that it must leave me alone or leave. She said to say, if you leave me alone, you are welcome to stay. I felt so vulnerable and trapped. We had paid a lot to rent this place. I took her advice and it seemed to have worked. I made my announcement to no one on the Thursday afternoon and the rest of the day and Friday morning felt normal. Whatever it was had gone. I felt peaceful again. I went home that weekend but by Sunday the dread started over. It was even more intense. I told my husband that I didn't want to go back. It was very frustrating because I had to get my treatment. I had to hope the window trick was still working. I arrived as late as possible that Monday and opened the door to the apartment. I immediately heard street noise coming from the great room. 
I distinctly remembered closing and locking the window before leaving for the weekend. I heard a meow coming from the great room. I couldn't tell if my mind was playing tricks on me. I walked down the hall and into the big room. The window next to the one I had opened when confronting the spirit was opened. Not at the bottom, but the top pane had slid down. I immediately felt defeated. This spirit was showing me who was boss. After my treatment and a workout at the gym, I took a shower. When I got out of the shower, a lily that I got at the grocery store had been turned on its side. I began to worry. I couldn't fall asleep. I tossed and turned in bed that night, unable to sleep or relax. Finally, I began to pray about what to do, and the answer came as clear as a bell. Leave. You don't have to tell me twice. I immediately got up and turned on every light in the place. I began cleaning and packing. All night I worked furiously so that I could get out of that apartment. I glanced over my shoulder every other moment and worked as fast as I could. At 5.30am I called my husband from my fully packed car and burst into tears. I told him I couldn't stay there. I was upset about wasting our money. I spoke to the landlord before leaving. She told me that perhaps I had some spirits attached to me and that her Bible study group could pray over me. I declined the offer. Homeless in a strange town, I drove away from that place never to return. About a week later, I got an email from the landlord. She told me that she too had found a grey feather in her apartment. She said she found this strange because she lives there full time and the cleaning staff never come into her apartment. This story is very recent. My family travelled to our family house in rural North Carolina in July as an escape from our home where we've been quarantined since March. The house is located on family land and was the home of my husband's grandparents. My husband was the only grandchild until his brother was born when he was 16 and he spent lots of time at this house during his childhood. He has very fond memories of it. The house was updated with fresh paint and new furniture, mostly cast-offs from the rest of the family. But essentially, it has not been changed since my husband's grandfather passed away. He died in the house, and so did his wife several years before him. They were wonderful people. I knew them as well. Since his grandfather passed, my husband and I have felt energy there. We had not been there in seven years. We took my daughter, her best friend and our dog. As soon as we arrived, we entered the house to begin airing it out. Since no one lives there, it is musty. One of the first things that happened was a door being closed. I was in the kitchen and the girls were in the big room. I began to wonder where they were, so I checked. It seemed odd to me that the door was closed, but I thought maybe they wanted privacy. Suddenly, my daughter came running to the kitchen She asked if I'd closed the door. I lied and told her that I did, and she didn't believe me, but I stuck to my lie. I didn't want her to feel afraid. She told me that she felt her great-grandmother visited her when she was there, but it made her feel uneasy. Both grandparents passed away before my daughter was born. I reassured her that her daddy's grandparents would never do anything to scare her. I also told her to hush, because I didn't want her friend to be scared. 
I noticed that the door was closed again later that day. My husband and I stayed in the back bedroom on the first night. The girl stayed in the big bedroom. Our dog acted strangely pretty much the whole time we were there. She didn't seem to want to be in the house. She sat by the front door when inside looking out. It was obvious that she preferred to be outside. That first night I thought I heard something in the bathroom. My pup jumped up and went into the dark hallway. She barked and then sat right outside the bedroom door and peered at me around the threshold. I called her and tried to settle in for the night. After what seemed like several hours, I finally drifted off to sleep. Despite my husband acknowledging energy in the house the previous years, he didn't feel anything. He slept like a baby every night unless we woke him up. I'm talking, head hit the pillow and he's snoring within 20 seconds. The first full day we were there, we decided to walk the property line of the farm. We followed my husband over a large hill in the middle of the land. He used a garden hoe as a staff, which he stamped intermittently into the ground to ward off snakes. In Gandalf fashion, he scaled the massive hill and we followed like the good little hobbits in a line behind him. The tour ended with us standing in the graveyard where all of his relatives are buried. It is located on the other side of a small forest that grows between the house and it. He showed my daughter the graves of his great-grandparents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, etc. I was not happy about being in the graveyard, but he assured me that it was fine. His grandfather cut the grass in the graveyard for years and even dug some of the graves. My husband had visited the graveyard many times during his childhood. He pointed out his grandmother's grave, and her name, Savannah, was etched in a large glossy headstone. We moved through the graveyard, stopping lastly at the grave of his grandparents. We paid our respects and then went back to the house for lunch. I again felt uneasy inside the house. I didn't want to be there alone. If the girls went outside, so did I. I tried very hard to keep the kitchen clean out of respect for my husband's grandmother. She had been very fastidious in life. That night the girls again slept in the big room and we slept in the old bedroom. My brother-in-law texted my daughter and told her that both of the grandparents had died in that room. I don't think she knew this prior. At about 2am my daughter woke us up and said she was scared. She asked for one of us to sleep in the big room with them. And I wasn't going without my husband. I'm not a typically snuggly person but I was practically glued to him in the bed. Of course he had been sleeping heavily for a couple of hours and I woke him up when we went into the big room. The big room has matching twin beds that used to be in my daughter's room and a nook area with a double bed. There is a half wall that creates the nook area. We decided to sleep in the nook. My dog came too but she began to act even more bizarrely. Winnie would come over to our bed and whine to get up onto the bed. As soon as I reached for her, she ran away from me, jumping onto one of the twin beds and began growling and barking at me. She did this in a cycle. I tried several times to pick her up, but she would run. I found her behaviour unsettling because she is my dog and she prefers me to the rest of the family. The next day, the girls and I went to tube in a river. I had a premonition that my husband shouldn't come with us. He's not a strong swimmer and I had a weird feeling about it. 
Plus, I didn't want to leave my little dog alone in the house, so it worked out. I took the girls to a nearby river and we tubed. Actually, I flipped off my tube in a rapid and struggled to save myself, so I guess it was a good thing that my husband stayed back. He spent the day alone in the house and reported that absolutely nothing happened. He took a nap in the big room and basically challenged any spirits to show themselves, and nothing strange or unusual happened. That night we slept in the big room again with the girls. Winnie again came to the foot of my bed, barked and then ran away from me. She retreated to the twin beds and jumped up on them. Winnie is my dog. This behaviour from her was quite uncharacteristic. She growled and barked whenever I tried to move towards her. I woke my husband up. He managed to get behind her and scoop her up and he carried her to our bed. She hid under the covers for the next five hours. As I lay there wide awake, I felt like someone was watching me. I sensed a presence at the foot of the bed, but I could see nothing. I was reading on my phone, so I used the covers to build a little reading tent to shield myself from view. But it was hot. The presence was gentle and kind. Finally, I let the covers down and I thought, go ahead and look. It's okay. The next day it was time to go home. We cleaned and packed and I was looking forward to getting some decent sleep at home. As we drove away from the house we began to talk about our stay. I asked the girls if they had enjoyed it and they had had a great time they said. That country is like a place where time stands still. It was very peaceful. It's the kind of rural land that aliens love to visit we agreed. My daughter's friend confessed that she loved the trip but preferred to be outside. I told her that I felt the same way and I noticed that we all tended to stay on the carport where possible. The girls told me that they saw a lady. I was surprised by this, but they corroborated each other's story. However, they saw her on different nights. My daughter's friend saw her on the last night. She said, She was standing at the foot of your bed, looking at the two of you. My daughter said she also saw a man in the back bathroom. She said she saw a lady too. The girls agreed that she had grey hair and that she wore a bun in the back of her head. My daughter recounted that the lady looked at her and smiled. Then she stated, she looked just like me. I thought that was an odd comment from a 14-year-old girl. My husband conceded that the description fits Savannah, his grandfather's mother. Savannah had lived until 80 and wore her hair that way. The house that she had lived in had since been demolished, but it was only about 20 feet from the current house. Her eternal resting place, as old southerners say, was merely across the forest. My husband thought the girls were making it up, crediting their wild imaginations, but I believe them. Somewhere we have an old photo of Savannah, but we have yet to locate it. I'd love to put her in the photo lineup and see if the girls can identify her. As for me, I hope I can go back one day and be braver and more relaxed. They are good spirits, just as they were good people in real life. A nice little haunted house tale to get us started today. Thank you so much to Amy for sending it in. I think that, like I always say, our good feelings, our intuition about stuff is there for a reason. And that sometimes our good feelings are the thing that you should listen to 
and we might not necessarily understand why those gut feelings are the way they are they might not necessarily make any sense but sometimes they they're there to protect us i think a um treatment apartments for a treatment facility uh for cancer are probably somewhere that would have so much energy because people would be so frightened people would be so ill there'd be a lot of anger just so many emotions that are heightened in one place and if that land was your land belonging to your family you know going back generations it makes sense that they'd stick around it makes sense they'd be proud of it and want to come back and say hey and inadvertently frighten the life out of everybody but that's a secondary risk with a haunting really isn't it and story number two comes from mike in 2006 my middle brother was involved in a serious accident Essentially, someone drove into him driving over 67 miles an hour. I got the phone call, and I was in my early 20s at the time, and as you can imagine, it was a hellish scenario. He lived, got the best medical treatment and rehabilitation, and he can walk, and he's living a very full life now. During those first dark days after the accident, my brother was in intensive care, and my dad's mum was one of his many visitors. About two weeks after the accident, I was in bed sound asleep and all of a sudden, in, I can only assume, a dreamlike state, I looked to the bottom of my bed and there was a short man in a flat cap and a suit jacket. The epitome of any man you care to see in a turn-of-the-last-century black-and-white photo. At first he didn't speak. He just looked into my eyes with his piercing ice blue eyes and I could hear his voice in my head. Put it back. It needs to go back. He leaned on the foot of my bed and shouted this at me repeatedly. I woke up with a shot, covered in a cold sweat, my heart pounding. It was maybe 3 or 4 a.m. and I was not sleeping again that night. The next morning I was at the kitchen table nursing a vat of tea and I told my mum. Now, my mum's fairly open-minded, but not a firm believer in one area or another. She told my dad, and he asked me what the old man looked like. I described him, and my dad, without missing a beat, said, That's my granddad. He passed away about five years before I was born. Later that day at the hospital, I noticed on the bedside table next to my brother's hospital bed a small silver crucifix which didn't belong to my brother, were not a religious family. Later that day, my dad said it was my great-granddad's and that my gran must have brought it in. In any case, my dad must have mentioned this to my gran and also about my dream, to which my gran looked shocked and said right then and there that she would take back the crucifix and return it home to the little box that it lived in. That night, I slept like a log and felt very content. My great-granddad didn't return, I later learned that he had asked that his small silver crucifix was kept safe for him. And clearly he meant it. I've since seen a photo of the man in my dream. The man I never knew or met and had never seen before. And it was 100% my great granddad, right down to the piercing eyes. I've always had an interest in the paranormal. And another little tale extra to this is the weeks after the above situation... I was walking through Callender Woods, part of a vast estate in the middle of Falkirk, Scotland, where I live. It's very picturesque and very peaceful. 
In the middle of the woods, there is the Forbes family mausoleum, built in 1815 in the Greek style. I had decided to wander the grounds with my dog, to take pictures of the monument, trying to be creative and artsy to take my mind off the events. Anyway, it was warm and windless that day, and it was in the middle of the woods, so mostly quiet. I was standing facing the building and my dog was wandering around sniffing when he let out a low, short growl. I looked side on and he was stood stock still, heckles raised, looking behind me. I was curious and flicked around only to feel my guts turn to ice. As about ten feet away, under a tree, a figure stood solid, but see-through. Think Predator from the movies. It turned from side on towards me. It must have been about six foot tall and its head ended in horns. I had my camera in hand. I took a picture. My dog started snarling. I grabbed my dog and legged it out of there. I do have the picture that I took, but it's difficult to make out the figure or whatever it was. But it was definitely there. Mike, if you are still listening, can you please send me the picture? I'd love to have a look at it. I just went back and checked to make sure it wasn't attached to your email. But if you do have it and you're interested and willing to share it, please send it to me. I'd love to have a look. I am all for creatures that live in the forest, as long as they keep to themselves, obviously. Uh, But yeah, all, all for it. And I'm so glad that your brother recovered. What an absolutely horrific thing for a family to go through. And I wonder why... The crucifix, I mean, other than the religious importance, because obviously the crucifix has religious significance to people. But I wonder why he was so determined for it not to be moved from that silver box. Did he think it was going to go missing? Did he? I don't know. Because you would think logically that it would like I understand his grandmother saying I'm going to bring it in as protection for my grandson. I get that. But I wonder why it was such of such significance to your great grandfather wild i'd love to see the story of whatever it was in the woods or the picture um i hate the idea that these horned creatures live in the forests but also i'm kind of here for it too thank you so much to amy and mike for sending in your stories remember the last story came from the 30th of december 2020 if you would like to send in your story you can do so by emailing it to real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com you can also check out our website real life ghost stories podcast.com and on that note i shall see you next time <laughs>